Dillon promised you a brand new offside hockey talk if we're doing it right here. Josh, my co-host, as always, as you can see, sitting down to talk about a lot of things going on around the NHL. Of course, COVID dominating the conversation right now. We will have Terry Cochan stopping by for a quick 15-minute chat to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and everything going on in Leafland. Uh, Josh, just want to get your temperature right now on the NHL, the Olympics, and everything. How are you feeling? We'll deep dive into some of these topics later on, but how are you feeling with the current state of the NHL right this moment? Uh, I mean, I'm not watching hockey tonight, so uh, I, I don't know. It's Kaprizov versus Robertson, Dallas versus the Wild. Woo! I'm not in the mood. Like it's just everything's so doom and gloom at the moment. You, you, you. I don't mean to bring everybody down right off the hop, but you just try and get away from it. And it's restriction this, restriction that, lockdown this, lockdown that. So. It's kind of upsetting, but I'm sure they'll get through it. I'm just hoping they get through it by the end of uh, by the end of this month, and then in January it's full steam ahead. But obviously, it's safety first, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But yeah, it, it's it's not looking too promising right now. They're probably not going to the Olympics. What happens after that? Do we see the return of the Canadian division? Do we like? I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, I look at the same thing and say. You know, is the Canadian division the smartest thing? There's a lot of things going on. Frank Saravelli reporting right now that an imminent shutdown uh, seems to be what's going to be on the burner for tomorrow. Uh, there's obviously uh, Vegas and Tampa who want to play. I think Tampa flew into Vegas and is very fully expecting to play that game. Uh, they flew in yesterday. So, I mean, that would be a little upsetting for them. Uh, man, it's just so mind-blowing to me. All of this stuff is happening. And, you know, there's a lot of things going on. And we'll dive into this later on. Like Stevie Y, the video I sent you, you know, wondering and sent Jerry Jones on the radio yesterday around Sportsland talking about, hey, players, maybe if they're asymptomatic, should just be able to come back after a day or so. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are going that way now and leaning that way. And it's mind-blowing to me that, you know, everybody seems to start to think now that this is not a serious thing again. And to me... You need to take it as seriously as you can because you don't know what the overall impact could be to any one individual. It's okay to say you're fine. It's okay to say that Jack Campbell's fine or Austin Matthews, but what about uh, Travis Hamnick? What about someone in their family that gets this and has an underlying condition or an autoimmune disease or something they don't even know that they have and all of a sudden they can track COVID and they're no longer here with us. You know, those are the problems that you face here with taking on this COVID issue and just saying, hey, you know what, screw it, we're going to play through it. And I know a lot of people want to do that. But I mean, let me just check for a second here. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of families across this situation. This one gets me a little mad that I put a family member in a pine box and said yeah. goodbye or didn't even get the chance to say goodbye. And everybody's saying, oh, it's just a cold, it's a bad flu. You know, I, I don't know, man. I, I look at it like this and I mean, I don't want to lose the season. But, you know, there's certain things that you can do. There's stop gaps. There's different ways that you can handle this. I mean, you already have scheduled dates for each team playing different teams coming across the border from the States. Maybe you bring back that Canadian division. And may I add, very, very, very few games were interrupted on the Canadian side of things last year. I don't know. I think it maybe think it was 10. Well, there was quite a few because Vancouver lost about three, four weeks. Vancouver um, was the outlier. And I'm not saying that yeah. in an easygoing you know, push it aside way, but they were the outlier in that situation. They were the one that were, was very hard hit. Um, mm -hmm. But you look at Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal, uh, Calgary, Winnipeg, you know, all those different teams. It wasn't 
huge what happened to them throughout the season last year. And I'm thinking, well, maybe you bring back that Canadian division and you jam pack those dates together and you have them play. So that way you get the season in because I don't think you're going to be able to go back and forth across the border. It doesn't look like Canadian government's going to step up and say, Hey, these, these uh, vaccinated athletes are going to be allowed to travel asymptomatic back and forth. That isn't going to fly. I don't think that's the right decision either. I, I really don't. If you're, if you have this thing, we don't know a ton about this, um, this virus it's evolving daily. Like I, you see updates every, every morning I wake up and throw on you know, our local news channel and there's just new updates every day. Oh, it, it does this. It does that. Is all of it true? We don't know. Like none of us here are scientists. I can talk about hockey all day, but you asked me to talk about, you know, health and medicine, the podcast would suck. So th- that's why, you know, we're here talking about hockey and not, uh, and not the COVID-19 different variants and the Omicron or Decepticon or whatever the hell it's called. So yeah, like it, it, we do that. And you, just to touch back on what you were saying about people taking it lightly, I, I witnessed it firsthand. My wife had COVID. She had it for, we were locked down for two weeks and it hit her hard. Um, first, somehow I didn't test positive for it. I don't know how the hell that works because we just live in this tiny apartment together, but like it's health and safety first. And if you want a season next year, then you might have to sacrifice the season this year. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure they'll find a way to finish the season, be it a shortened schedule, be it back to the Canadian division, be it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm sure they'll figure it out because they don't want to lose any more revenue. No, they definitely don't want to lose any more revenue. And obviously you want to get the season done guys. And, and that's the biggest thing here for everyone is you, you want this season to be complete. You want to be able to take on, the playoffs and award the cup and do all the things, do the all-star game, all that stuff. But here's the thing, health and safety is paramount to anything else that's going to happen here within this league. And to me, I think if you're selfish enough to sit there and say, well, it doesn't matter. Players can come across the border asymptomatic and do whatever they want to do. That just doesn't fly. It doesn't make sense to me. And it won't make sense to me. Um, We'll have Terry Koshan on here in a couple of moments. And we'll ask him, you know, just the leaf situation in general, you know, how it all came down. And, and, you know, what the, the overall thought is. I mean, obviously, there's probably a prevailing thought throughout the media and, and throughout the teams, for that matter, of what's going to happen and who's going to chime in and, and fix this. But, um, you know, guys like Stevie Y, I appreciate him as a player, appreciate him as a GM, he's a mastermind, absolute mastermind. But the problem here is, Josh, you start looking at these problems and saying, hey, like you just said, we're not doctors. We're all not doctors. We have to rely on the medical professionals to put everybody in the right spot, to keep everyone safe and to do the right things. And if going back to a bubble or a modified schedule or playing two of three in a city or something like that is the way to do it, then do it. You know. But I really, really think that you need to stop and pause and realize that it's not just the players. Like a lot of people say, oh, it's a few players on a team. It doesn't matter. It's not just the players on the team. It's the family members that those players are attached to that are the problem. You know, because now you have all of these other elements of all of these different things that could be an issue for a player. And here, we're going to let Terry Koshan jump in the conversation here. Obviously, we told you off the hop we're going to have Terry Koshan on the show. He's just getting geared up and ready to join us here. Uh, He'll be with us in just a moment. But yeah, talking about the Leafs, obviously talking about the border issues and everything like that. Terry, what's going on? Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Hey, Terry. So, Terry, oh, obviously, I know we don't have much of your time tonight. Obviously, a lot of things yep. going on around the NHL and here and there. So, want to ask you uh, right off the get-go here, what was the vibe for, obviously, the games for the Maple Leafs being shut down? When did you guys get a feel things weren't going to trend the right way? 
And what was the uh, the feeling that you guys had, I guess, being in that situation, waiting for the word to come down? Well, I, I think we, we got the idea things weren't going to trend the right way when we woke up Monday morning to the news that the, the Flames game was postponed in Calgary three days later. So you're in, as we kept, the way we kept putting it all week, your antenna go up right away. So you're thinking, okay, well, if, if that's now not going to happen, what becomes of the rest of the week? And as we know, we got the game in at Edmonton, uh, thought we were going to be playing in Vancouver. Um, and, you know, that didn't happen. Seattle didn't happen. But it, it, it was fairly early in that. Like, I got to, I got to uh, Edmonton in time to watch breakup on Sunday. So I was there a bit earlier, but uh, wake up Monday morning. And, and that's the first thing I saw when I opened my email was uh, Flames postponed through Thursday. So as soon as we saw that, we're like, okay, at least I was the potential for this then could, could bleed into the rest of the week. And, and sure enough, it did. So when you guys were all I guess, sitting there talking about the, uh, the game and everything that's going to be happening with the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm wondering for you, mm -hmm. um, you know, what was your first thought about, you know, the players obviously testing positive. You have John Tavares testing positive. You right. have, um, you know, Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza just fresh off the suspension. We'll talk about that in a moment too. Uh, what are your thoughts about those players and, and what went on there? Well, it's difficult. I mean, you know, at one point during the week, guys, I can't remember what day it was, but I think it might have been after the game in Edmonton. Um, you know, Sheldon Keyes said to us, the way he, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's close to what he said. Frankly, I'm just concerned about getting home to my family and being there for Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, lo and behold, Keith is one of the people who uh, goes into COVID protocol uh, later in the week. So, you know, it, it's a difficult thing all the way around. I mean, you, uh, you know, and again, as soon as we saw the initial two with Tavares and, and Kerfoot, um, you know, you, you had the idea that they didn't have to be awfully lucky for that not to have gone to other, other areas of the, uh, of the team. And sure enough, we saw that it did with, you know, Keith and Carberry and several other players as well. So, you know, it's a tough situation, although you have a fairly good idea, a nearly 100% idea that they will all come out of it in the end fine and, and their health will be good because as we've seen with this, the uh, the symptoms have been mild for the most part. You still feel for them. Keep hit the nail on the head. It's it's an empty feeling when you're on the other side of the country and that even the contemplation of not being back with your family for Christmas, whether that winds up happening or not, in those days where you don't really know, it's not a good feeling at all. And uh, you know, I, I, you just hope now we know that they're all back in Toronto, traveled back earlier today. You just hope that they're in, in good health uh, uh, sooner rather than later. or They can get this thing going again. But it, it's, a, it's a feeling of concern because you're around yeah. the guys, you feel for them. I, I, I think we had talked to all of them. Other, I think Brody might have been the, of the group. It was the only one we didn't talk to at some point on the trip. So, you know, it was all socially distanced and everything. We, we had talked to Tavares uh, uh, on the day he wound up being positive, but it was outside. So we were apart from that. But yeah, it, it's a tough go all the way around, no matter whether it's hitting everyone else or not. Uh, you just hope for them to be healthy soon enough. You mentioned them wanting to be at home. Obviously, everyone wants to be at home um, yeah. for Christmas with their families. Do you think the NHL is taking that into consideration with all the with all the shutdowns, saying, oh, you're done till Christmas? Or well, are I, they just looking at it money schedule-wise? Well, I don't know about that. I don't know, Josh. I think it's just more of a thing where the, the cases are hitting each team and and uh, they're, they're doing it on a team-by-team -team basis. Mm -hmm. If it was that, then the league would be shut down completely. But I think we, part, do you I think, think that'll happen tomorrow? It could. It could. The thing, like, I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. This is kind of yeah. 
ridiculous. yeah i see your tweets there all the time about you yeah. know why every every announcement you're basically why, why isn't this happened and I, right. I mentioned that last night and then a lot of people jumped on me saying well it's just the flu or it's not that bad it was, so it's not just the players like i was saying earlier before you jumped on terry it's their yeah. families it's everyone yeah. they're connected to that that becomes the bigger thing right the bigger well, do, you, do you do you want to be that guy who who get a player say who gets it you go home to your family now um do you have a, a one or two year old son or daughter who has no vaccine in them? Yeah, quite possibly. You know what I mean? That's exactly you know, it. This is the point just, I'm trying to make. Yeah. You know, I just, just shut it down. We'll see where we are in a week or two, whatever it is. I know obviously the NHL is loathed right now, or it could be coming to, to pull the pin on the, on the Olympics. So I think that's got to happen next. I think and, that's already done. I, I think yeah, just yeah, waiting for yeah. one of the other to announce it. You know, you just, now you just got to, uh, you know, hope you can find time, uh, during that three-week period or whatever that is in February where you can reschedule some of these games. But listen, flu symptoms, whatever you want to call it, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot here that's happening mentally as well. I know yes. when, I know when the first initial um, – when the initial uh, cases with the Leafs happened, guys, with Tavares and Kerfoot, from what I was told, there was the feeling through the room that we don't want to go to Seattle now. Yeah. No, you they don't want to go to the States. Get, no. get a positive down there, then what do you do? I think the Oilers had it with uh, Puyi Arby, didn't they? Where they're trying to figure out how to get him home yeah. from Seattle in the game on Saturday. So well, it was hard enough for the Leafs to get guys home from Vancouver, let alone across right. you know, across the border. You take the border completely out of it. Yeah, you just—that's what you have to do. And and you know, luckily the Leafs didn't get to a point where that was a a choice that they had to make. But uh, look, you, you can anybody can any critic of whatever you want to call it, an anti-vaxxer or whatever, can say whatever they want about what the symptoms are and everything doesn't matter it's not a good thing to have period Get no it's not a good it. thing to have at all i look at this uh, this whole situation and i ask you this question in all seriousness um the idea has been floated of maybe the canadian division coming back to finish out the season yeah. the dates are already decided for each opponent i mean all you'd have to do is slide x team into x building and do a two out of three like a baseball style to finish it out and that might be what has to happen if the canadian government doesn't say hey we're going to allow asymptomatic players to travel back and forth which is what Steve Eiserman was saying yesterday. Yeah, well, I, I think we're awfully early in this too. And let, let's see how this variant runs its course, right? I mean, we're what are we talking? We're on December twentieth, guys. It's I think the the NHL would would swallow awfully hard before going to a Canadian division when they know that you know by March, February, March, April, things could look a lot different. You know, maybe 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 what maybe the, the idea now is like the least say after what the week after the week of the New Year. You've got Ottawa here on the first. This is right now. Ottawa here on the first. Edmonton's here on the fifth. I think Montreal. They're at Montreal on the sixth. I think I got those dates right. So three of their first four games of the new year against Canadian teams. Play those as scheduled. Whether you play that Monday game, I I can't remember who it's against. The Monday game at home. I don't know if it's Columbus or who it is, but uh, you know, play those games as scheduled and go from there, and then see what happens with the federal government, whether exemptions come for for pro teams or not. But uh, I think it's a little early to your to your question, Jamie, about going to the All Canadian Division again. I don't think they're ready to get anywhere close to that decision yet. Is there anything that you're hearing right now? Obviously, with the Toronto Maple Leafs um, having players that are in the COVID situation, about the bubble, like taxi squad, certain thing that happened last year. Okay. Um, a lot of teams are crying for that right now, uh, especially Doug Armstrong down in St. Louis, really pushing hard for that. Um, I think personally it should come back. Um, mm. It would allow teams more flexibility to be able to do things. Yeah. And this season seems to be more prevalent with 
obviously the Omicron variant dominating things, teams would need to have those players readily available. And I think the taxi squad should be there. And I'm wondering if that's part of the discussions, but like you just shook your head, you don't know. Well, I don't, I don't know if it is or not, but it, it <clears> probably <throat> should be. Um, because one thing you're looking at now too, guys, I don't think Keith said that I think we should look at too, like people talking about, oh, don't postpone games, don't do this, don't do that. Again, earlier in the week, Keith was saying, you know, not only is it not only is this causing postponement of games, but you know, teams are losing players. So your competitive element is starting to go out the window. Yeah. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, we look at who Colorado didn't have for that one game, they ended up losing. I mean, with the night the Macar, I think Macar was among the players out. You know, had the Leafs played uh, in, had that game against the Canucks, where we got ahead. You don't have your captain. You don't have Spezza coming back from suspension early. You don't have Kerfoot has worked well on that second line. You don't have Wayne Simmons has been a hell of a player for them in the bottom six. So, yeah. and so there's something to be said about that. I think the goal is to get to a place where you can have most people on the ice on any given night. And you're right. If you have, if it has to come back to a thing like, you know, they'll have to work this out, the PA and the NHL, but I, I think you'd have to go there to have those players at the ready so that, you know, even if you are a taxi squad, whatever you want to call it, you know, keep them busy somehow, but to have them at the ready to step into the lineup at any given notice. But again, you know, you don't want to get to a point where you're using six, seven people because that, that again, that's not your NHL team. No, and, no, no, definitely isn't. Yeah. And, and as far as Leafs go, like right now, you know, one of the other reasons why I'm assuming things just got shut down is that, you know, the Marty's in isolation for 10 days. Yep. Yeah. What if the Leafs, what if the Leafs wake up, go back to practice Tuesday or whatever, you know, the cross border thing took it out of it, but you know, suddenly you're, 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 um, you're not able to go to the Marlies at all for anybody because they're all isolating and 10 of them are positive. So that's just not an option for them at all. So you had to, you know, everything that the Leafs have done in the past 24, 36 hours uh, makes complete sense. And I know that they were probably uh, guided in those decisions as well, but yeah, have a taxi squad, they're going to have to look at hard at that. Yeah, they have to. Do you yeah. think they'll look at um, LTIR as well? Because, for example, Marner's on there now, so 10 games, right. 24 days. Right. Well, it's going to be 24 days, but he'll probably only be at, what, seven or eight games by the yeah. time that reaches? Or is that just a suck-it-up situation? Well, I, you know, the, the preference would be that those games would still count. Yeah. Because you're right, it's a 20, the 24-day factor is big on that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I never thought – I just had the impression that Marner wasn't going to – the earliest he was probably going to – had everything been normal – the earliest he was going to come back anyway was our thinking was the January 1st game. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the 29th against Pittsburgh. You know, I know that goes a little bit past the 10 and 24 uh, when we was put on LTIR retroactively, but um, yeah, I, I would think that, you know, there's some leeway. I would hope that there's some leeway there because obviously it's not just Mitch Marner in that type of situation. There are teams across the league that have players in that spot. So you would, you would think that they go that way, but again, I'm, I'm sure it's something that uh, it's being discussed. Uh, behind closed doors right now so let's let's talk about the Leafs on a positive note here before we let you yeah. go tonight I know yeah. you don't have much time on your your hands here but the Leafs 28 and 2 this season came yeah. out on a speed wall well give me a sec guys <clears throat> I thought you said 28 and 2 I was like damn really <laughs> yeah no no no, no. Not, not, that good, not that good yeah. 22 um you know guys are gelling we, we talked at the beginning of the season you know Let's see how these guys fit in. We talked about the Andre Katchas, the Nick Ritchies, the David Camps, et cetera, et cetera. For you, is there one guy in particular that's a new face to this roster this season that you're really like, okay, this guy really gets the understanding of what he needs to do on his line? For me, it's David Camp and Andre Kasha. The -hmm. two of them have taken the defensive role that Keith has wanted for, what, the better part of two seasons and really said the third line is ours. This is how we're going to play it. We're going to block shots, win face-offs, and drive the other team nuts in their zone. 
and they do a good job of it no matter who joins them on that line. But for you, is there anyone who really stands out? Well, I'd go with Kasha for the reasons you just listed and what he's been able to do, as brief as it was, being moved up to the mat to, to play with Matthews. You know, yeah. I know that they tried that early in the season, didn't look too good. They came back to it, looked fine. I would also put Bunting in that group because, again, with Bunting, you don't, know you're, you don't know what you're getting, right, guys? He has no experience in the National Hockey League. 20-plus games coming in, still classified as a rookie. But he's really come in and, and been a hell of a player for them. You know, yeah. a lot. you have to give Kyle Dubas credit here. A lot of the things that he did in the offseason have worked. David Camp's another one. Nick Ritchie has not. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. That 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 has not worked nearly as well as they had hoped. Um, He's you know, looked good with Kasha and uh, and yeah, Camp, still, I mean, yeah, he has, but it's 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 still a two and a half a year. That's still that's not, yeah, that's it right there. That's not that's not what they were expecting from him, mm-hmm. especially after the season high fifteen goals last year at the Bruins, right? So, but Kasha's a guy. Look at you know you watch him play, and again, guys, it's one of those things where he spends a lot of his career in the West. So I don't I don't know about you guys, but. I'm not, you know, I'm not glued to my TV at one in the morning watching the Anaheim Ducks no. playing or the LA Kings. So you don't see these I, guys. That's, that's all I do. Right? Okay, well, gosh, <laughs> I mean, you're still a young guy with no kids, so good for you. <laughs> yeah. But no, the, um, you, you know what I mean, right? So you, you yeah. have an idea of the player. You can you can look up stats and everything else you want to look at, but until you come and see him play consistently, you don't. You don't. And he's just been, he's just been really good for them. And, and you know, he had the injury issue and stuff and, but, you know, has not played like he's had concussion issues. And uh, uh, I just think that, well, they are really happy with him because Keith talks about him all the time how happy he is. So, like I said, a lot of the things that um, that, that that Dubas has done has worked. You know, Mrazek, the injury history, you hope he's passed it now. It's a three-year contract, though. I would imagine that we'll see more of that from him. But, uh, you know, in the, in the games that, that Peter's played, he, he's looked all right. So, it's um, I know it's a longer answer to your question there, Jamie, but um, – I, I would say Kasha, are accepted. Kasha would be the Kasha would be the guy that you're thinking of there. Like right. The guy that's come in and that new guy that stepped in and, and been, wow, look at this guy. Yeah, well, I've been blown away. And the thing we talked about is injury history, you know, before the season started. Me and you were both on the same page there where it could be a, a bit of an issue for him. Um, but even still, he's he's had, what missed a couple of games with injury, but he still plays with kind of a reckless abandon. And he yeah. loves to drive yeah. the zone, drive the net. And yeah. and it seems like, and I don't know if I'm just the only one seeing this, he gets stood up a lot. Like a lot of guys take runs at him or take hits at him and stuff like that. And he just bounces back right up. And I love that. And that's a Darcy Tucker asked to me, you know, yeah. Tucker would get hit, drop, got back up, would do the same thing, repeat, you know, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Um, for this team here, you look at the, the things that we also talked about. They need to take steps here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they've taken steps in their power play and their penalty kill. Um, they've learned, it looks like to play more as a cohesive unit, uh, up yeah. and down the ice, like blocking shots and taking after one another things that were missing. I think the past couple of seasons with this squad, do you notice that on your side of things where you get to see the team every day and you know, what is a takeaway that maybe we're not seeing that you guys are? Well, I just think there's a real tightness off the ice. You do see that a lot. And, you know, Again, I, I keep referring to what some of the guys were saying this, this past week. You know, Wes, but Simmons had talked about how, you know, this is before there are any positives, how tight the team is and how they're they're really, um, you know, fall, they were following tighter protocols, I think, before the, the NHL brought them in. So, you know, and, and if I'm not mistaken, the Leafs were either the last or one of the last teams to get hit by this thing. Yeah. Like when you're going back to day one, right? I mean, I think that the, the day before the Leafs went, were, uh, got the first test, they're already – 17 teams impacted the season with it. So 
Um, it, it's just a, it's just a, a, a cohesive group. Uh, do they hang out as 20 off the ice? No, but I think they genuinely do like each other. I mean, you know, even a, a small example, uh, you know, you could getting into the rink last week in Edmonton, it was on last Monday into Rogers place. Um, uh, a bunch, I was trying to, trying to figure out how to get in security car wasn't there. So a bunch of leaves came in cause they could just come over to the hotel. Who, who was it? It was, uh, Tavares, Spezza, uh, Steve's, uh, Muzzin. Um, there was a couple others, but just the interactions you could tell, like kind of not be able to get in. And it, it was, it was just the way they were with each other. It's a group that likes each other, whether anything I've got to, like Steve's just been thrown into this, right? Yeah, so I think that's key. and you saw that on the ice through November. Now, did they hit a blip coming out of November? Yes, they did. Uh, but the tough thing for the Leafs now is, you know, they win three to four going into all this, and yep. Keith liked some of those wins at home uh, against Columbus and Chicago. But I thought I thought they were better in Edmonton. I mean, anytime you keep, you know who and you know who off the score sheet for most <laughs> of the, for the night, you're yep. doing good things. So you hope that they can pick it up, and specifically a guy like Matthews can pick it up once they get going again. Who knows when that's going to be? Um, you know, the thing about when they come back, you're not going to expect a team to go play that night. They're going to have no. to practice a bit. So, yeah. you know, we'll see where they go and when they're playing again. I wouldn't be surprised if it's January 1st against Ottawa. I could be wrong on that. But well, uh, at least they're we got the World Juniors. Yeah, they're going to need a <laughs> runway, guys. They're going to need a runway. So, uh, oh, but no, sure. I, overall, I, 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 yeah, you have to like what you've seen. I think you said 20 wins, eight and two. What they start, two, four and one? Mm-hmm. something like that so yeah. they're eight they're, what are they 18 four and one in their past 23 then yep that's absolutely I, insane there's if you're nitpicking with that i say go and enjoy a rum and eggnog turn <laughs> off the computer and go have a rum and eggnog that's right? it right there that's it right there um there's two more things i want to ask you quickly before i let sure. you go there terry yep. um john Tavares, yep. low-key one of the most low-key point per game players in the nhl this season huh? not talked about enough in all the big conversations with all the other players, this guy's clicking on all cylinders this season, seeming to have himself a, a year, but you're not hearing yep. him in any of the conversations anybody's having about players that are in the upper echelon of the NHL. Well, I think, I think where it's happening though, is that you're hearing the talk, the Olympic talk, right? Yeah, true. And he, he, he's put himself squarely in that conversation, whether it, whether it happens now, it could be moot, but the fact of the matter is he's been great this season. And, and I, I always had a lot of respect for John. I've known him since he was 15 and coming in with the Oshawa Generals some 15, 16 years ago. But to see him come back and do these things now, guys, after what he went through and the injury and all summer, the, the, the rehabilitation and recovery, there's never a guarantee. We all know this when you're coming back from a concussion. Yep. No idea what's gonna, what, what, what it's going to look like. John Tavares, I'd argue, is playing his best hockey he has for the Maple Leafs since he signed three years ago. Oh, 100%. All right, that's what I mean. It yeah. just seems low-key. Like, I know the Olympic conversations there, but you look at all the broadcasts and stuff like that. Nobody's beating down the door to talk about John Tavares and what he's doing this season. The other thing I have, and Josh, feel free to chime in if you have anything, too. Um, uh, Ely Mikheyev, coming back to this lineup, obviously yep. there's a lot of players that will be coming in and out of this lineup throughout the season. Is Mikheyev a trade chip the Maple Leafs now can dangle where he did yep. want to leave? It doesn't look like he's going to go up the lineup. Or is he a guy that you keep? To me, he's a guy that you keep, especially for penalty kill reasons and other things. I know he wants a bigger offensive role. I say go out and earn it, young man. Go ahead and do it. Um, but a lot of people seem to think, hey, if we're going to make a trade, McKayev would be the one to dangle. What did Sheldon Keefe say when he was coming back? We're thin on the PK. We need him. He's not. If he, if he gets traded, I'll, I'll be stunned. doesn't matter what his contract status is, what happened last summer. The fact of the matter is Sheldon Keefe likes this player. 
Kyle Dubas likes this player. Okay. They need him. He's a guy that you can put up line A, line D, wherever you put him in the lineup. And he's going to, you know what you're going to get every night with Ilya McKeev when he's healthy. Again, a guy who it's, it's unfortunate. He, he just comes back. They go on pause now. So he's going to have to, that runway is going to be a little bit longer for him once they resume playing. But, uh, uh, I, I don't see a, a trade happening. I really don't. I just don't. He's just too valuable to them. I mean, uh, you know, they, the, the plan was, guys, as we know, coming out of camp, give him more opportunity. Give him, yep. like, you, Jamie, you're talking about, go prove it now. Then the poor guy breaks his thumb in the, in the last preseason game, which is meaningless yeah. against Ottawa, in two months, just go down the drain. So he's going to get every opportunity to, quote, unquote, reprove that. Listen, I can't remember when the trade deadline is. I'm not in front of me. It's the end of February, whatever it is. Oh, I think that's going to be moved anyway. So, yeah, but, so my point is, though, if he's a lead, if he's not a leaf after that, he's in Delta somewhere. I would be awfully surprised because that's not the indication we're getting at all from the Leafs themselves. No, fair, People, fair enough. Go ahead, Jeff or Josh. Sorry. Oh no, I was just agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Terry. Um, you're very gracious with the time. Obviously we said 15 minutes. We've gone over that. I appreciate That's you coming fine. on. Um, would like to get you back on when the season resumes, the holidays oh, yeah. are done, uh, yeah. just to see where everybody's at in the headspace and stuff like that. Uh, for us over here at offside, buddy, I want to say, uh, happy holidays, stay safe, uh, stay positive, test negative, all that fun stuff. Um, yeah. and we enjoy your coverage, man. We look forward to having you back on. Great. Great. to Talk to you guys. And again, happy holidays to you both. And, uh, hope you get what you want. So too. I really want a PS5. Okay. <laughs> All right, Terry. We'll talk to you later on. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yeah. All right. So there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. As promised, that was Terry Koshan. So we're going to flip the script here. We did the lease first. We usually were going to do them last. Uh, so we're going to jump into this, the rest of the episode. So let's jump into some topics here, Mr. Josh. Um, one that came out and we didn't really get to talk about, uh, you know, when it broke um obviously podcast things are not good sometimes you got to make sure you get the dates right so here on a monday evening we're going to talk about paul maurice uh leaving the winnipeg jets after eight season um he's absolutely done with the team um but the way that he went out is pretty admirable he went out and he made sure that no one on that team felt they were thrown under the bus he said the players didn't quit on him the team didn't quit on him management didn't quit on him ownership didn't quit on him this was just a decision he came to himself that he came to in the summer. He talked with Mark Chipman. He talked with Kevin Sheveldayoff, and they all agreed to try this season to push it forward. But he used the best analogy. He said, when you become a coach and you became the coach here, you're pushing a boulder up the hill and you can only get that boulder so far. And now someone else needs to come in and push that boulder over the top and be a new voice in these guys ears. It's going to be uh, Mr. Lowry to do that. But for me, I'm looking at Paul Maurice and saying, Paul, man, you've done so much for Winnipeg. You've done so much in that city. You've gotten the team, you know, further than a lot of people thought Winnipeg would go. Got players to want to come and play there. Got players to want to buy into that system and be a part of things. Yes, there were a couple of guys in the mix throughout. You know, you look at some of maybe the defensemen like Truba. You got Patrick Line maybe not wanting to be there. Dustin Bufflin not coming back, but Big Buff had his own reasons for not wanting to be there. Still got a huge pop when they showed the uh, the Wheeler video, by the way. But you look at this and you say, Paul Maurice, what is next for Paul Maurice? I'll get your thoughts on Winnipeg first, and we'll talk about maybe what is next in line for Paul Maurice. And obviously, we know this coach is probably burnt out. COVID's taken it out of every 
buddy. If somebody tells you to your face that they're not bothered by COVID, that their day-to-day is still the same, they're absolutely lying. And when a guy like Paul Maurice, who has one of the most coveted coaching jobs in the world for hockey, comes out and tells you he came to the rink last year and just didn't want to be there, didn't have the passion, the fire wasn't burning. That tells you all you need to know. But I want to know first, before we jump into what's next for him, how do you feel about his time you know, with Winnipeg and how he ended it on his own terms? Um, I've always liked Paul Maurice as a coach. I thought he was a very gracious guy with his time and answers and insight. Uh, there was a book I read. I forget what it was called. Um, but they pretty much take you behind the bench of every, of not every, but most coaches who have been successful. And Paul Maurice was one of them. And it was only a couple like uh, chapters on him, but it was, it was really insightful to see the way he approaches the game and everything. But um, no, Paul Maurice, like his time here wasn't, you know, the best, but he, he was just such a good guy. Like that's the one thing I would take from Paul Maurice. He's a good coach, but he's an even better guy. Um, I always thought he was a good character, like, whether it be blowing up on the bench for no reason or his sarcastic answers in press conferences or, you know, his success on the ice with various different teams. I know he he coached in AHL for a little bit too. I mean, and he's very successful. I think he's six all time in, uh, in NHL coaching wins and he's only 54, which is just a mind blowing stat when you look at some of the other names on there. So I mean, I, and I hope everything's okay with him. But like you said, I'm sure he's just burnt out and I'm glad he was able to end it on his own terms. And he did it with class and um, respect, which is just two words that you would use to describe Paul Marie. So um, yeah, the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, are they the Jets without Paul Maurice? I guess we're going to find out, but Paul Maurice is still going to be Paul Maurice without the Winnipeg Jets. So I'm sure we'll see him again soon, but he's going to take the time to get his, to get right, be happy when he comes back and, uh, yeah, I hope everything's good for him in the future. I definitely do too. And listen, there's a lot of links right now, um, obviously with Paul Maurice going maybe to the Vancouver Canucks and being the general manager, there, maybe dipping his toe in the management waters, maybe coaching is done. And you know what? I could definitely see him being a fiery Pat Quinn type, you know, being that guy that's boisterous and will share his opinion and won't let the media push his guys around and stuff like that. And we'll be out in the forefront when things go wrong to talk to the media and get things done because we've seen that as a coach and I can definitely see him taking that next role. And in a market like Vancouver right now, where they're starving, starving, and we're going to talk about Bruce Boudreaux in a minute. They're starving for something good. I mean, Paul Maurice would be great. I mean, maybe not this season, maybe take the rest of the season, Paul, and, you know, kick back for a moment and, and just love everything. I know you love what you've done in Winnipeg, but Hey, maybe kick back and, and think, Hey, what about the Winnipeg jets now going in the rearview mirror? and becoming a member of the Vancouver Canucks and bringing the guys along like Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, Thatcher Demko, and take that next level, help build that team around that nucleus and be the general manager there, but also have the coaching voice because you've had it to help out where you need to, if you need to be, because you see things that some don't. And I really think that's a good spot for Paul Maurice, hundred <clears> percent. <throat> Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't think we'll see him for a couple of years, though, if, if that's my honest opinion. Uh, you know what? The It's the the old itch thing, right? I don't think we'll see him this season, but I do think that we will see Paul Maurice next season uh, in the offseason go somewhere. Yeah, that could happen. 
But um, no, I just hope for now that he's happy and healthy and gets back into a place where he's able to be in the game because the NHL is definitely a better place with Paul Maurice. Oh, 100% it is. 100% it is. Um, so we'll switch gears. We talked, we told, let's speak proper here on a Monday night. We said we would talk about uh, Bruce Boudreaux and the Vancouver Canucks. Um, obviously coming in 6-0. and I made the video on the weekend. I was so excited. Well, you know, Boudreaux 6-0. and It's got to go. Bruce, there it is. The whole nine yards. But hey, Bruce Boudreaux's come in. It obviously shows that Travis Green's message was not getting through to the players and they needed a fresh voice. And some, that's what we're just talking about here with Paul Maurice recognizing that in Winnipeg. Now it's the same thing going on in Vancouver where they removed the voice and the fresh voice is now there and the team is responding. Also, it doesn't hurt that Gabby is a offensive first coach. Yeah. Um, that Vancouver Canucks team has been fun to watch. A, a little bit of me is questioning how they were able to turn it around so quickly. Um, maybe it might be that new coaching bump that you see a lot of these teams get. And if it is, sometimes that bump is all you need. Get a little bit of confidence in your legs and then you get rolling. We know the, when uh, Keith came in for the Leafs, we saw that. A couple other teams have seen it as well. Maybe Travis Green did lose the room and he just wasn't utilizing his players right. And that Vancouver Canucks roster, that's made up of all guys who it's, you know, let's shoot the puck into the net and we're going to be successful because that's what it is. I mean, you can say probably say that for most hockey teams, but this Vancouver Canucks team, the way they're constructed, that's what they need to do is be offensive minded. And they're doing a fantastic job of doing that. And I feel happy for the Vancouver fans as much as I'm oh, 100%. not their oh, biggest fan, but on them a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, no, good, good for them. And Bruce Boudreaux, what a beauty to have back in the league. Oh, 100%. Well, the league's better with Gabby in it, man. We, we said that before. Uh, so let's go keep going around the thing. Uh, John Torrell speaking his truth about the, uh, the Zegers goal and, you know, talking, you know, not off the hip, but just the way he is and the way he feels. And I'm wondering if it's a truth worth listening to, because to me, it's great for a soundbite, but it's not great for the game. I don't care what, what Torts is saying about the game. Hey, this stuff isn't good for the game. No, it really is. It really is good for the game. It really is good for the next evolution, the next step up. You know, things that Crosby was doing when he first came in, or Malkin, or Ovechkin, uh, you name it, Matthews, Marner, it doesn't matter. Every player that comes in adds a new wrinkle to the game. And people say, oh, well, that's a problem. Oh, well, that's an issue. Oh, that's not the way we play. That's not the way we do things. That's not how we operate. Well, guess what? Now it's the, the regular operating memorandum. So now you look at this thing and you say, okay, these guys doing these cool tricks, that's going to be the new way the NHL goes, man. That's just the way it's going to go. And if you're going to sit there in your old man chair screaming, get off my lawn, because these guys are on your ice doing fun things that you don't like, well, maybe the game's passed you by. And maybe that's why you lost the Columbus Blue Jackets room, because you wouldn't let the offensive guys, <clears throat> line A, do the things that he wants to do. I'm just saying, I'm just yes. saying, try to make the Sedins checking forwards. That doesn't sound very smart either, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's not that that that's not the best idea. But um, man, I just block John Tortorella. I I block most people with that view of hockey out because they say, oh, it doesn't grow the game and blah 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 blah. Like, shut up, John. Like, there's I mean, more people trying those moves now and having fun with that. I'm trying it at work. If I, I'm sk I'm skating around in kinder hockey, and sure, the kid's only three, four, five years old, but they love it when I go behind the net, scoop the puck up, and just throw it over. They can't hit it, and they just try and whack it out of the air or headbutt it. But they love it. That's exactly right? it right there. Simple 100%. stuff like that. You know, and they're coming on, oh, can we do the, they call it the scoopy move. Can we do the scoopy move? Yeah, sure, whatever. 
right? Yeah, so. no, I know. I listen, listen, John Tortorella. Hey, great soundbite, like I said, but uh, hey, maybe your sound bites are, are best reserved for uh, a highlight reel and not a highlight show. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what happens beyond that. But uh, hey, look, I want to say the Montreal Canadiens. Okay, we're we're Leafs fans. We're battling the Habs and filters, guys, right now. Check out the promo videos. We're having fun. You see the bruise right here. You know, good old boxing rock, having a good time. Um, they got three women on the list for their GM search. I think that's amazing. Uh, same thing goes for Vancouver as well. Uh, uh, Jennifer Botterill is on the list there as well. Um, I would really like to see one of these teams not just dip their toe in the water, not just do a, a token interview or anything like that. I want to see one of these teams hire one of these people and, and put them in the position of power because that's going to grow the game. You talk about growing the game, that's going to grow the game. On the weekend, we had the, the Kipling showcase there in Toronto. And I flipped it on and you know we're sitting in the basement, we're just doing some things. And my daughter heard Willoughby's name and her name's Willow. She's only three. But she locked onto that TV and would not stop watching for the life of her. So just imagine having one of the most prominent teams in the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens, with a female voice as the GM. How cool yeah. would that be? And how much more would that generate young girls like mine to be glued to the TV to listen to everything she has to say about building a hockey team and also realizing, hey, there is a place for me in this sport that I can go to the next level and be a part of the NHL. If I can't play in it, at least I can help shape the teams that do. That is huge. Absolutely huge. And my other daughter, who's nine, they're showing the coaches on the bench. She's like, that's, that's a girl coach? Girls coach? Because she's so used to watching the guys game so much that she doesn't realize that, yes, they do coach. Yes, they are skilled coaches. Yes, they're, they're littered throughout, but they just don't get shown enough. So for them to do this, I really hope it's not just a we're adding names to the list because we're in such a shit backlog of things that yeah. we've done wrong that we want to make it look good. I don't want it to be a PR son. I want it to be the real freaking deal. Yeah, so I really I. hope one of them get the job. Yeah, and you know what? Um, follow through with it. Do it. Yes. Let's, let's see it. You've, you've put it out there. Put your money where your mouth is. No, 100%. You definitely should. You definitely should. Um, the Kyle Beach settlement happened. We're not going to know any details about it. Um, obviously, uh, both uh, parties signed off on the sides of it. Um, I'm just hoping for me, there's no amount of money in the world that is going to make Kyle Beach whole ever. doesn't matter. You can give him a bajillion dollars. It's not going to make him whole. It's not going to give him the time back. It's not going to give him, you know, every ounce of everything he's had to deal with back. Um, I just hope the amount of money that was agreed upon um, is good for him, good for his family. Uh, leaves him feeling in a better place, but I really hope the NHL and other organizations reach out to him and and use his experiences to help others, to build yeah. on things, to to grow that situation of awareness into something bigger. Because I think that's the bigger takeaway here. It's great that Kyle Beach got a settlement, and and you know I'm hoping that gives him some kind of closure because the acknowledgement is there that there was wrongdoing, but. Um, you know, I don't know, man. It, it just, it, it breaks my heart for him because no matter what you do for him, it's never going to be enough for Kyle beach. I agree with that. Um, yeah, obviously we won't know details of the settlement, which, you know, that's, that's common in cases like this. Um, I just hope he has a, enough resources now to, uh, 
start moving on in his life and doing things that are good for him and hopefully we can put this in the past not forget about it but put it in the past and start moving forward for the good of him there's one thing i want to get to before we do our uh our three stars you know here we're going to try bringing that back uh make sure it's better on the uh the rest of the year um quick answer i don't want a long-winded one here i've been long-winded all night long the olympics they are not happening um i'm saying that now uh, the Olympics are not happening for yeah, the Olympics are happening. The Olympics are happening, but the <laughs> NHL players going to the Olympics. Actually, yeah, that's not actually, there are rumblings right now, Josh, that the Olympics, the winter Olympics may not happen. And just cancel everything. Maybe push the year. So we'll see. Um, yeah. I don't think the players are going. Uh, we'll, we'll see what goes on beyond that. But here uh, we got the, the last two minutes of the podcast here. So let's spin this one. Finally. Uh, three stars. I know I'm dropping this on you. It doesn't have to be just Maple Leafs related. Let's go across the board. Um, I'm going to go with my stars right here. Number three for me is Bruce Boudreau. Uh, injected some life, some fun, some positivity into the Vancouver Canucks market, which is something that was desperately, desperately needed. Uh, number two for me is Paul Maurice. Uh, we just talked about him not too long ago. Um, you know, a guy that uh, went out on his own sword and let everybody know what he felt. And the first star for me is, again, Kyle Dubas. Kyle Dubas coming out and supporting his players, being there for them, being concerned. We've seen it with the Ilium K of wrist injury a couple seasons ago. This guy cares about his guys and will be there through thick and thin. Um, wanted to give everybody updates on the players and make sure everybody knew what was going on with them and also got them home. So those are my three stars. Josh, the floor is yours, my friend. What are your three stars? Third star for me. Charlie and Tiger Woods for entertaining me this weekend at the uh, PNC Open Championship. That was some phenomenal television. Second star for me, let's go with, um, man, you really put me on the spot here. Let's go with Chris Jericho because he was really sick in the hospital and he was on TV this this week and last week. So good for you, buddy. And first star for me because I had a good day at work and my car didn't blow up on the drive home. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Hey. We, uh, we missed last week, obviously, scheduling conflicts, but it was probably a good thing. There's a lot of things going on that we got to touch on tonight. This right here, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.